0: episode 23 of the cast of Ka. That's right folks we're back and we're going to talk about all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your host Rachel and joining me is the other half of my catette who is officially one year older. Is the, the one and only DJ. Happy belated birthday DJ. I'm
1: pushing I'm pushing 40 now Rachel. It's like I'm getting up there in years. Um, I pulled my first gray hair out of my beard. Oh so the the end is nigh. I'm, I'm like almost <laughs> almost halfway done uh, to expiration date, you know, so,
0: Oh, you know, you're not going to make it to a hundred
1: <laughs> no, no, <I'm
0: laughs> halfway kidding. done. That means like
1: the, so the average male lifespan is 80 years. So once you hit 40, you have lived half of your life effectively and you're on your way down. Sit.
0: And this is the crummy side of 42. Like, Oh, it's all physical. Like, I know I had, like pulling apart. And... I'd have
1: my wife walk on my back today. Cause it was sore, you know, old man problems. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you feel wiser?
1: I don't know.
0: Awesome. All All right. right. So plan for this episode. So we're going to continue our journey through the Wastelands with an in-depth conversation about, here we go, the Wastelands, book one, Jake, Fear and a Handful of Dust, chapter two, Key and Rose, sections one through five. such a Um,
1: complicated title.
0: I know it's wild. It never gets any easier to say. I have it like all written out in front of me. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Uh, But before we get into that, DJ, for anyone who may have hopped on the show, can you please remind our listeners about our, our spoiler policy?
1: As usual, guys, we try to draw a hard line in the sand when we cross from the chapter we're talking to to anything else in this particular Stephen King universe. So we will tell you ahead of time and maybe even give you a count of three or possibly five before we move into the spoiler zone. But for this section ahead of you, it is just the current chapter as mentioned by Rachel.
0: Yes. And if we do get into cuz sometimes the conversation goes places that I, I you know I don't think either of us are expecting and we really have to get into like major end of series spoilers and in those cases we'll go ahead and you know we'll have our conversation but we will cut it and put it at the end after the 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 closing credits so that you're able to if you've listened to the show get all of that good content instead of just cutting it and throwing it away which we have had to do in preview like early on Um, (laughs) but it won't spoil it for those of you who are reading through the books for the first time uh before we dig into the actual show, uh I want to highlight a couple of reviews that we got on iTunes. One of the best ways that you can support the show is just by leaving us a review on iTunes. Uh and it's it means a lot to us. It actually lets people know we exist all that good stuff and so i want to make sure to that you guys know that we're reading them so i sharing them on the show and for those of you that haven't already reviewed the show if you do we will read them on the show as well the only problem is is they tend to be really nice and so i get a little shy reading them but (laughs) um but a promise is a promise so here we go this first review comes from beatiful uh happened upon this podcast after the wife and i finished the dark tower series together that's so cute i love that you guys read it together I mean, I know I definitely went, went through it by myself until but I got my contact going here. So that's awesome that you got that experience. <laughs> we love Rachel and DJ and this podcast. We enjoyed the book series so much. It was a year-long commitment. Lol. Uh, we were excited to find a podcast so that we could not only relive the series again, but also dig deeply into each chapter of the book and the secret eggs left along the way. It's a great listen as I ride the New York City subways. Oh, wow. This would be a really cool series to read in New York because so much of it is New York focused.
1: Oh, that's Uh, true. mm -hmm. And like Stephen King paints a really good picture of like different times in New York's history.
0: Yeah. I mean, we assume. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope so. Like I'm not from
1: New York, so I can't (laughs) back Yeah,
0: but we're just going to go on believing that. Thank you for putting so much great work into this podcast. We'll surely be checking out Rachel and DJ's other podcast as soon as we complete this one. Awesome. Thank you so much, beautiful. I'm glad you're enjoying the show.
1: I want to drop one interesting New York fact. Have, Rachel, you've been to New York, right?
0: Years ago, but yeah.
1: Okay, so you always watch all of these crime dramas, right? hmm And you always see them, like, taking place in alleys. Uh-huh. But if you go to New York, there's almost no alleys. Like, go walk what? around. You'll never find an alley hardly anywhere, and it. If you do some research, you'll find out that like almost all of the alley scenes that have ever been shot in New York are like in one alley that just happens to exist in like one part of New York, and because they can't find any other alleys, and it's like it's become a like self fulfilling prophecy like one filmmaker watches one other guy's oh, thing and right. is like i want that kind of alley and then like the next guy is like well i want that kind of alley and then they just keep redoing this alley over and over again oh my God.
0: and so it's in like every
1: law and order it's in like
0: yeah.
1: every um you know murder mystery that you can think of that like happens every in your...
0: procedural tv show ever made yeah, and,
1: and like and it turns out like if you if you manage to find that alley and you walk by it all of the trash is stage trash that you actually have to pay what? $20 a bag for because it's what? basically dressed up to be ready to film at all times. Are and I didn't you know you could buy stage trash. So,
0: dude, how do I get in on this trash racket? I feel like I feel like I've just hurt my calling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, I digress. Right, back, sorry. back to the podcast.
0: Okay, this next one comes from PGH Rob. You two totally rock. I'm caught. I'm all caught up now and have to wait impatiently for the next awesome episode. Keep up the work, great work uh you are doing we're doing it slowly but surely we're going to get through these dang books i promise you that L- thank you so much rob pgh rob um and last one so proud from jeff um not our friend jeff this is not this is not a ringer jeff this is a different jeff i'm just not going to read his last name on the pod on the pod um if these two can successfully record an entire podcast after watching that movie and not spoil their thoughts until the end, I can leave a five-star review. I've never, <laughs> met... <laughs> I've never met anyone as crazy about the Dark Towers as I was, and this podcast has been a godsend. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jeff. I totally identify with that. Like, I, this is, I think, true of you too, DJ. Like, when we like something, we get way into it.
1: Yeah, too, too deep. Too deep.
0: Too deep. <laughs> like, life is a series of, like, rabbit <laughs> holes. and Like, yeah, like... I, my thing is, is when I'm interested in something, I have to know like every bit of minutiae about it, and so then people think I know things, but really I just know like about ten things, but like everything about them. They <laughs> just assume that because you know
1: about that, you also know about other things.
0: Yes, just because I know everything about RuPaul's Drag Race does not mean I know anything about physics. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So thank you again to everybody who left us a review. Like it really does mean a lot to me. Um, and DJ, we both really, really appreciate you taking the time to do that. All right. Shall we dig into the review of the chapter?
1: Absolutely. Let's do it. Do you want me to take the reins or do you Yeah, okay. where do we leave off? Okay, so I I, I gotta move slowly here. We are because <laughs> um so in a typical He's like,
0: you me, folks. <laughs> well,
1: in a typical uh Stephen King fashion, this chapter uh has very little going on, but a lot of filler that takes a lot of time but doesn't really have very many things happening. And mm. I don't want to jump too disagree. far ahead. <laughs> it's, so we we start off from Jake's perspective. We, we've left the the guys uh, in the other world, and now Jake's doing his thing. And he's basically, like, living in his apartment, hanging out with his nanny, doing Jake's stuff. His, his you know, <laughs> common internal dialogue about his uh, dad and, like, how his dad, you know, wants him to go to good school and, like, well... Is a uh, good at the kill and all this stuff, and then Jake goes to school and he's like looking in every door because he's envisioning that he's going to find his Too way fast. back to Midworld.
0: Too fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, and that's why I have Rachel here is
1: because I listen. I I went through this probably I don't know like seven or eight times. Oh my god! And gosh. every time I went through it. I found myself like daydreaming at the end because it was just like la-di-da-di-da, open a door, staring at the toilet again, la-di-da-di-da, girl. Did that girl just hit on him? I oh, I think she yes. hit on him. And then like it's <laughs> like la di da da teacher using proper language to describe the bathroom because it's a prep school, blah, blah, blah. Like, And so I feel like you probably got way more out of this chapter than I did.
0: Oh, well, you know me. <laughs> so this, I, I dig into the minutiae. I can't help myself. I
1: guess on that note, I'm going to pass it back to Rachel and let her guide the way okay. this time.
0: Fair enough. All right. So when we pick up, um, last time we were with our last group, like- Roland was kind of, like, falling apart, like, wondering how much longer he could hang on. So when we pick up in this chapter, Jake is basically doing the exact same thing. He's in the same exact mental state as Roland, hanging on by his fingernails, reaching the point where he's just about to just give in to the madness. Wait, Um, you think so?
1: Like, I thought it wasn't until he found his mysterious essay that he, like, started to cross the precipice.
0: Um, well, I mean, I think he is, this is that day, right? And he's talking about, like, he, it it opens with him basically saying, um, that, like, Hold on, I have it in the book in front of me. <laughs> for three weeks, John Jake Chambers fought bravely against the madness rising inside him. During the time, he felt like the last man aboard a floundering ocean liner. On May 31st, four days before school ended uh, for the summer, he finally faced up to the fact that there was no help coming. Basically, he's, then this is the straw that broke the camel's back. So, like, that's a little bit of, like, this is about to happen. Because, you know, when Stephen King, like, tells stories, especially in this chapter, he kind of jumps around temporal, like. temporarily temporarily where like he'll 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 foreshadow like at the end of the section he'll be like this is the last time he ever saw that classroom
1: yeah so
0: so there's some of that a little bit but essentially like his mental state is very much in sync with roland's you know he's like just barely hanging in there but he's also going crazy and so we're gonna get to kind of get a, a look at what the other side of the paradox is is after having gone through the process of, of Roland mentally unwinding on his side. But I think it's worth noting that he is basically in the same place with Roland, which you kind of would expect and make sense until you start to think about what that actually says about Jake as the kind of person he is and the kind of steel and gunslinger type of dude he is and what he's really made up of, because Roland is basically willpower personified. And for Jake, this like sixth grader, to have the same be on the same page with him really does speak a lot to his mental strength. So I thought that was noteworthy. But also, we kind of get some insight into like what his childhood is like. And like you talk about him sort of living his everyday life hanging out with the 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 housekeeper and and we learn that 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 Jake is like really a sad and lonely kid. He's got no close friends. His parents are totally absentee. He's like this old soul who feels completely isolated and disconnected in his life. It, it makes sense why he would have, aside from what's happening in his mind, but, like, a longing for mid-world. Because he's someone who's, like, completely disconnected from the people. Well, his mom
1: gave him a long-haired haircut for his, like, middle school year. Yeah, rough stuff. And that's rough. And then, like, yeah. the few people that know him, like, might consider him friends. It's just, like... So there's there's little subtle bits like this that you pick up, or like that he brings his pa- his A graded papers right. to his nanny, who's like, yeah, mm-hmm. like his dad is more than happy to talk about how his smart kid is going to use his brains to get into this or to that, but doesn't actually care or want to look exactly. at it, and it's just like this trophy you set on the shelf. And, and I get all that, but like this gets so metaphorical and so over descriptive so fast that I sort of like zone out. A I little mean. Bit.
0: That's a fair criticism. Like, if you don't like that kind, of, like, well, if that like doesn't...
1: the the sailboat analogy, like, that's like two paragraphs to describe that he's not feeling good. You I know, mean, like... that's
0: Stephen King. Like, the dude likes to write flowery. He likes to paint a picture. I don't know. I don't I mean, know.
1: Sometimes I'm okay with it, but like, I felt like this was like, hey, hey um, we need five more chapters in this book, or we're not going to publish it. And he's like, okay, I got you.
0: you're so crazy well anyways the point is like this is jake may have been been born here but like he really does actually belong in Midworld. but you actually kind of touched on what i think the most important important part of the section is and it's the talking about his father like this whole section and so we're to a certain degree this whole these all these all five of these sections really um like, we get our first true description of El- of Elmer Chambers, his father, and there is sort of an implied comparison to Jake's other father, Ro- um, Roland, right? Because they're Damn. both his two different father figures. And needless to say, in comparison to Roland, Elmer does not really fare that well. Um, the things we learn about his father is he is a successful businessman who runs the network. He's status-obsessed, he's cold and distant from Jake, and he has a tendency to make up factoids which basically tells you this is a person who's like fundamentally dishonest you know he brags about his son getting into the piper school and how you know and like you like kind of lives vicariously through him um and demands that he does well in school and to not let down the side and yet like you had pointed out like he's only interested in what that his son getting into school how it reflects on him because he doesn't even bother to look at all of the A papers that Jake is bringing home. Like the only person that like even pretends to give a shit is his housekeeper. And like you compare that level, like he's so shallow. And you yeah, but even the him... housekeeper
1: is like, "You're my job, not my yeah." Oh, you know, Jake
0: breaks my heart. He really is such a sad character. And he, and, I mean, like yes, he has all of this like privilege and, and then status that comes along with being like a wealthy Manhattanite, but like, he's just as lonely and isolated as someone like, um, Eddie is, you know, it just like, it's a, he's in a different financial status, but like there is some crossover with like being people who are kind of like out of place. I mean, he
1: has way more access to cocaine, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) DJ! (laughs)
0: anyway so no it's fine it's fine um so but i think probably the clearest comparison between elmer and roland has to be in elmer's nickname like you talked about how he's called the master of the kill which presumably refers to his you know deal making skills um but it's interesting that his name like the language used in his name evokes what roland actually does But in the case of Elmer, it's, like, this hollow name given him, like, based on, like, ambition and greed. But there's no... And yes, he's successful. And yes, he accumulates wealth because of it. And yes, he accumulates status. But there's no honor when Elmer kills. You know, it's just him accumulating more of those sort of empty things. And so, like, I think this is also really reinforced at the end of the section... Where Jake is listening to the school song, and he like kind of like disgustedly realizes how much his father would like the pop. He's and like the song dance. is
1: awful, and then he's like, "Oh, my dad would love a song like this because right. it's hollow and rings true." You and know? he could like, like he could
0: like puff up his chest and feel like he's fancy, but not actually do any of the dirty work. You know, like he <laughs> wants to act all like you know, like it's like people who like want to dress up in, in military things and like put those things on, but they would never actually like get their hands Well, and dirty. that's noted
1: in uh, uh, the haircut. And I know I'm jumping back to the haircut again but like he he gets a like a kind of a buzz cut and he's like yeah my dad would love a haircut like that you know this is this is his sort of thing like it'll make him a man and like you're right right. that's like sort of a like a superficial like painted on like just because you got this Mm -hmm. haircut now you've become manly whereas before you were girlish in nature like that doesn't change the character of the person it's just a haircut
0: and you can see why jake would be so drawn to someone like roland who is like All the things that his father pretends to be, but like has a ton of soul and like a ton of honor. Um, so yeah, that was that's what that was what I had to say about that section. See, I told you I had things to say about this.
1: (laughs) So at that point, is he in this? Has he gone to school yet? Because he's uh... at
0: school, he is like walking around opening the cloakroom door, getting hit on by the kid. So, what's the deal
1: with the whole like, um, Like so again, superfluous. Like New York, uh, uh, in New York, he he like has to tell you, like, he has to go out of his way to tell you, like, there's nothing in the coat room. It's not even being used right now because it's this time of year in New York. Like, uh, what 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 are you doing, Stephen King? You're this is more like you're just like sticking stuff in there to like fatten up this section. That's what it felt like to me. I'm. I
0: mean, I feel like he's really trying to like give you show you the level of sort of like desperation and break with reality that jake is experiencing but unlike so are you saying that
1: because he knows that like there's nothing in there mentally like he's still staring in that room hoping that it's his way out he
0: keeps feeling this compulsion like this even though intellectually he knows he's not going to open a door and see a desert on the other side but he feels compulsion and like this like almost like this desperate madness to think that there's something on the other side he can't prevent himself from hoping and opening that door but I, I also guess, think, like, we had five, six chapters to to really dig into what Roland was going out, so you could parcel it out a little oh, bit. Okay. Whereas in this, like, we are just like, okay, we got to get through this. Let's get to, let's so get to then, the action. So, what's
1: the significance of the girl popping her zit in the mirror when he walks into the girls' restroom?
0: I mean, I think it's like, well, for one thing, it gives him a chance to say something crazy. <laughs> But also just kind of, like, it, it's just trying to give it, lend it some verisimilitude, you know what I mean? Like, you open the door and there's, like, somebody in the bathroom. Okay. I don't know that it really mattered. I think it's kind of throwaway, but also, like, it just kind of gives you another insight into his mind. Like, he doesn't, he's so paranoid that somebody could know he's going crazy, and but he's saying crazy shit.
1: Well, the the fun thing is, is like when he reads it. Well, yeah. are we to the but, point now. We so are he, now.
0: We're basically to that point.
1: Go he's basically. Uh, and I'm trying not to jump ahead of Rachel because she has way more to say than I do on this. <laughs> uh, but Jake like looks down at his homework, and um, there the teacher is basically requested, and it's like the one class where you don't have finals. You just write a paper and you turn it in. And the 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 theme is truth. And like so, Jake like opens up his bag and finds that he's written a paper that he doesn't remember writing. Mm-hmm. and he looks at it and he like it's got like um a, a polaroid of a, a, a amtrak train and another cut out of like of a magazine of a door and it's like glued to the front of the thing yeah and he's like well uh this is the part where like uh i've gotten crazy enough that people uh i can't pretend anymore <laughs> that i'm not crazy like people will definitely know that i'm crazy and then he revisits his his dad's scenario, and in the scenario before where, like, he got into the good school and his dad's excited, in this scenario, he gets into the best uh, uh, mental mentally uh, uh, rehabilitation clinic or something like that. And, like, he's getting thrown into a halfway house, and, like, his dad's like, he paints the best finger pictures you've ever seen, you know? <laughs> he's like, and if he gets through this, he'll get a trip to Disneyland, you know? And it's like, well... That's real weird that you would think of your dad in a manner that would be still proud of you for getting I love, somebody to a saint asylum.
0: I love his gallows humor so much. And i it's just kind of an illustration right here that if for some reason he theoretically were ever to like meet up with Eddie and Roland, I feel like they would definitely get along well. You know what I mean? I feel like there's going to be a shared sort of rise sense of humor there. There's also uh-huh. a
1: beautiful juxtaposition. So uh, basically in this section, Jake starts reading what he wrote because he wants to know what it's about. But at the at the same time, the teacher is like reading yeah. off the list of books yeah. that, that they're expecting to read. And uh-huh. we have like this great spot where like they throw in – um a catch 22 yeah and lord of the flies yep. and like all of these <laughs> other like sort of orwellian you know uh people break down into like horrible minimalist like he, they just
0: needed a little kafka in there we like yeah, exactly eh, eh, to complete the the picture yeah it, uh, it's like yeah. you're a trope
1: you're a trope you're a trope i don't know i liked it
0: i did too I, I mean that's something that 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 stephen king loves to do is throw and i'm learning that partly because of our 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 uh So our good friend Leroy was very good about pointing out these things Um, that Stephen King really tries to like bolster points sort of like highlight themes with other references to other literature. And like these ones are pretty, I mean, like, you know, they're pretty like obvious spot on references with Catch-22 and like someone being trapped in like these weird, you know, in a situation where like, you know it's two two like reverse dependent things are existing at the same time and causing you to be trapped like those are all things that are happening very much inside Jake's head and then also lord of the flies like you know the the breakdown of some, like young people in the wild like, you know, it's like- I get it. I see what you're doing, King.
1: Now, I, uh, the two quotes that Jake has in the beginning before yes. he goes, is the
0: author's middle name actually Butch? No, I think the Butch and Sundance thing is a reference actually to Butch and Sundance the movie, which is like, I actually have this in Cowboys. my notes here because, like, <clears throat> we're again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but like, there is a reference to, like, basically like outlaws or like gunslingers, but like, if you think about how that movie ends, if Maybe these are not these are kind of foreboding references. Like you could you could read them on face value as like oh cowboy cowboy, but you could also from another perspective be like oh doomed outlaws. Oh that's <laughs> not great. That's not good. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the essay. T- t- tell me about the essay. Uh,
1: so so it starts off with two quotes, and I don't have them in front of me, so I will rely on Rachel because
0: she probably they? does. Well, I have the book in front of me, so I can just turn the page. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Sound like a genius when I edit this. So, yeah. So he, yes, there are two quotes. The first one is, I will show you fear in a handful of dust by T.S. Butch Butch Elliott. Elliott. And my first thought was, he lied in every word by Robert Sundance Browning.
1: Now, those two, like, are basically the coat rack that he hangs the rest of this, like, essay that he did not slash did write. And Mm -hmm. the rest of them are like uh basically statements of truth like i love roland and uh roland killed me and um watch out for blaine and and blaine is a pain and then like some oddball like kids uh um sort of poems like um well, what is red yeah what is red and and black a sunburned zebra I think is the one and, <laughs> and the other one is like what what is uh has four wheels and flies and it's like a dump truck and that is the truth uh-huh. and you and go through these and like some of them are profound yeah. and some of them are just like uh like wacky kids jokes I guess mm-hmm. and so I kind of so part of me was like, okay. So the profound parts are supposed to represent like him being split, and one part of him is profoundly thinking about what this split means and and what mm-hmm. it means for his his psyche and whether he's gonna be able to come to terms with this. And the other part is like him as a child being childish, like we have our childish things, and, and back and forth. But at the same time, he doesn't remember writing it, so is this supposed to be almost like the previous Jake that died sending a message to the new Jake? Or is this
0: because <laughs> it's a time... interesting interpretation. Well, yeah.
1: So I started thinking about this and it's like a yeah. time loop, right? right? Like, so if he doesn't well, remember sort of. writing it, yeah. but the previous him died, then the previous him wrote it. And if, if but it's that's not a...
0: a previous him, it's a him.
1: Well, okay, so a fraction of him wrote it. So let's think about this in the Rick and Morty universe sort of way. Like, Woo. they they split, they split their moment, and, like, now one reality is branched off one direction, and the other is branched off the other direction. Okay, fine, mm-hmm. that's cool. So then that means that the one reality where he ends up dead, smooshed with blood in his underpants, is in <laughs> one section, and that section wrote the, it's like, so forward to his <laughs> his future section that isn't going to go through that same thing is that is that i mean does that sound reasonable or am i well
0: this actually gets to something at the end i want to talk to you about like how paradox works and like how the umbrella of call works but but i mean here's the thing the way i took this was and i actually wanted your feedback on this is, like, I feel like what this is is a sign that, like, this dude, this kid has, like, some sort of psychic awareness. Like, some sort of, like, shine. He's got to shine. Yeah. Basically, because in addition to these, like, profound ideas about what's, like, you know, what a truth is, uh, uh, is him talking about things that there's no way he knows about. Well like he does not know about the ladies of shadows he does not know about the prisoner he does not know about the you know like there are certain things that he is not present for like some of these things are things that he knew um from from his experiences with roland but when he talks about things like the prisoner and the lady of truth being married there's no way he would know that because that we hadn't had the drawing of the three yet so there's Mm -hmm. that so what that what that tells us i think is that he has, like, what's happening with these periods of time where he's losing time, he's, like, going into some sort of, like, psychic fugue state, and I wonder if it's, like, some kind of self-preservation that his mind is trying to work through things or, like, warn him, because the other thing that you have to do when you read this is as much as this sounds just, like, strange gobbledygook, like, if he is speaking these truths that we know are truths that sound insane to him, what are the things that we don't understand in this piece? Are these things that we should be paying attention to because they're actually foreshadowing? Is this hit? Are we getting some like future? Like a look at the future because in the segment. future
1: under the mountain a monster will use an amico gas pump to pretend like he has a penis, and then you're like, well, well wait Hot. a minute. And so, well, that's the thing. So, like, the poem goes all over the place. So at first, I was trying to hang a lot on it, and then mm-hmm. I was I went through it again, and I'm like, well maybe this is just silly and then i was like well okay maybe it's future him like hinting at past him and then like wanting his experiences to not be lost so in that regard like the jake that made it to the the um the wayside or whatever and like found the jerky and then like went under the mountain and died like wanted to like leave that adventure and that story for the mm-hmm. actual jake uh but I mean, I, don't know. I feel
0: like there's a big spoiler explanation that we could get into that is a potential. Um, well, yeah, but, I don't want to go that yeah, far. Yeah, exactly. Like, but... However, my impression is, because specifically, I'm hanging my theory on the thing about the prisoner and the lady are married. That is the okay, truth. And that it's he's having sort of like, yeah, he's having these psychic experiences because he, he's losing time. He doesn't remember writing this. He took a nap and woke up looking through a door. Like, I feel like there is some part of his mind that is sort of like this untapped psychic potential that is like going red alert because the other thing to think about in this section that I think is really interesting is that we know that him and Roland are ha- having similar like mental breakdowns but unlike Roland who basically has no idea what's ha- what like what he can possibly do to um to like heal his mind he just knows he's desperate for something to heal the mental divide. Jake actually has some kind of inkling. Like he is keeps being drawn to doors over and over and over again and he realizes if he's able to get like uh, somehow if miraculously there is a door that opens on Midworld that the, the mind, you know, the the wound of him in his mind will be healed. Like he'll be made whole again. And Roland doesn't even have that. So that's like to me another sign that Jake is kind of working on another level. Mm-hmm. Um
1: that's possible. Like I, I guess, so I'm. I don't want to go. Like you said, I don't want to go that far because yeah, it's right. That once you get out of there, you you might as well just scrap this section and and say exactly what what you think. Yeah, but,
0: I think people who've read the book know what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. But yeah. the the problem is here is like it's ambiguous enough that I I'm on the fence honestly, and I I, I like your idea, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time then it's still there's a lot of silly stuff in there that was like
0: yeah i don't think it's that silly you know no?
1: like i the... mean i
0: think it reads as silly but i think ultimately it's not
1: so i th- i should think of it as like read by uh what's the guy that does the like penguins documentary um you know who i'm talking about, morgan freeman morgan? yeah imagine <laughs> it can as you what... imagine is read by morgan freeman choo, exactly. Choo,
0: choo, choo. Yeah, exactly
1: and then it's like super serious and it makes perfect sense okay done got it
0: yeah the other thing and this is just sort of a throwaway but rereading this section like made me these especially like these first two where he is like kind of telling talking about his dad and then like going to the door and stuff like made me kind of understand for the first time why the movie adaptation thought it might be good to re-adapt this as like a young adult novel since it kind of this little section kind of feels like a story about a magical boy who's like about to set out on some big adventure i mean i don't approve of the approach but like (laughs) i get it now the other thing is like just what a reset this this section is like it's not just a new point of view like it almost feels like we're in a different book
1: you know what i mean yeah i would agree with that. And and that's why it's like a little confusing for me and a, a little bit too much fluff. And maybe I'm just mixing together all the times I've I've read this series before. Uh-huh. But like I I feel like all this stuff was already kind of explained to me, and now you're explaining it again only with like more flair and pizzazz.
0: Are you referring to the ne- like the the final section?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I don't want to go mm-hmm. that far either. But no,
0: I think we're ready to go there.
1: Oh, okay. Well um i'll let you start because i'm i don't know if i'm on the same page as you
0: well i mean basically at this point after reading this he's just like yep i'm lost it i gotta get the fuck out of here so he requests like he he asks to be to step out of the room and he goes down the hall and he's like opening doors and he opens the girl's bathroom and, and this will he... be the
1: last time i enter this classroom staying there, right
0: yes exactly okay
1: okay we are on the same page i just wanted to make sure because like no
0: i appreciate it <laughs>
1: I didn't want to jump in, and then you're like, no, and we were going to say our favorite color at the same time, and it wasn't
0: the same color. Ready? Three, two, one. Blue. Blue. Yeah! Whoa! <laughs> okay, that's weird. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. All
1: right
0: go so, for it, go for
1: it. So, Jake is like, he, basically, there's like this long way about how... Uh, at his school, they don't pronounce things the way that you would normally say, like, I need to use the restroom. You, you say, I need to step out. And, like, if you go to the to the lunchroom to have something, you're not going to have, like, cheap macaroni and cheese. You're having, like, some sort of soiree. And they, they like, use kind of fancy <laughs> terms for all these things so that it makes the the parents feel like the school is, like, top-notch. And so Jake steps out of the classroom after he's realized that he's a bit on the crazy side and he's written this thing that he doesn't remember writing. And as he he walks out, he like kind of foreshadows that like, hey, I'm I'm never coming back to this class, you know, and like, and it, yeah. it's not him saying that, but it's like a little did he know saying that, like in the narrative as yeah. he's doing it. You and- know, it,
0: this is a tried and true Stephen King like thing that he does. Sometimes I love it, and sometimes it irritates me because I'm like, you're spoiling your own book. Yeah, but, <laughs> Stop okay,
1: <it>. um, so. <laughs> And this is like a a side channel, but if you ever go uh, go watch the movie Stranger Than Fiction, and I'm not a huge Will Ferrell fan, Uh but I think
0: I've seen that. Stranger
1: Than Fiction has like a bunch of literature tropes explained as the guy is like having his own life happen, and like the narrator is narrating it for him.
0: And, I need to watch that again. I saw it a million years ago. And, and
1: like, the, the, they talk to a professor, and the professor's like, I've written 17 novels on Little Did He Know. And you're like, What?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: exactly. But, like, so there's the Little Did He Know bit right there. And then, yeah. like, Jake kind of expresses his craziness by, like, running in and out of the girl's bathroom and, like, opening some more doors and, like, going on. And it gets to the point where, like, we get to where jake actually like has his split because now he recognizes where he's at he realizes he's on a street corner he looks around he recognizes the same uh hot dog vendor i believe uh he recognizes the the, the man in black he recognizes the fat guy driving the the uh tr- the car that runs him over and all of these things and they're all like coming together mm-hmm. and like jake's actually like sort of uh Play for play, documenting his own death as it is about to happen mm-hmm. and walking through each of those steps. And like, even so far as like, he almost imagines it as it's happening. And yeah. like, now is the push. And like, then the push yeah. doesn't happen. And the hot dog vendor is like, Hey amigo, you know, watch out that car will squish you buddy. You know? And then like, it doesn't, he doesn't die. And Jake is all effed up by this. And like yeah. now from this point forward, this is where the actual convergent happens or the, the, the divergence happens. So this is the part where, okay. So you were talking about rolling, like living double lives and being crazy, Mm -hmm. but I felt weird about this because Jake is still living the exact same life up until the push. And so he shouldn't be experiencing the break until the break is two separate things. And that's why I, I felt like a lot of this earlier stuff was a little bit weird And a little bit frustrating for me and maybe not enjoyable is because I thought that when he crossed over at that point, when the two timelines diverged, that's when he should be like, oh, you know, and and that's like, that was just part of the thing. In fact, the last straw was when he found his his own novel or his own writing. Right, but this,
0: this section, this goes back three weeks. Oh, does it? Yeah. Am I bad? Poorly time traveling again? <laughs> yeah. I think I think this will help you because okay. okay. So when he walks out the door of the school, he's like, "Well, I don't know where I'm going, but I guess I'll just trust my feet to go." Although they had betrayed him before. And then the next, like, chapter section five starts and says it happened three weeks earlier. And then you hear how he's just living his life, being normal. And then as he approaches the corner where this takes place, like, sh- like in the like, I don't know, like a minute leading up to it, all of a sudden he starts to like have these memories of of like like a date like a pre deja vu and then he doesn't die does that make more sense yeah that makes a little more sense so but i so still just... am like super con- like i'm like i need i need your i need your like science physics brain to help me wrap <laughs> my head around this section because like it's such a weird interesting but, like, now I don't understand kind of situation where... Okay, so we basically knew what was going to happen in this scene, right? Like, mm-hmm. we've already gone through it the first time. We, we lived through it firsthand when we watched Roland save him, right? So, like, what is actually the most interesting section about this is how the paradox is sort of manifested in this. And that, like, I... Like, you... I assumed the break would be, like, he reaches the point... Like, it would start at the second... That he was, that the car drove The timeline,
1: yeah, the timeline shifts.
0: But there's this weird lead up where he's in this dreamlike state where he, like, literally can't prevent himself from going through the motions knowing that he's going to be hit by a car. And so, like... It's changing the way I'm picturing the way a paradox works. Like, it's this weird, like, how... Okay, so
1: the the paradox here happens because of Roland interacting in that time. So Jake is on a trajectory, and the trajectory has not changed. However, because Roland interacted in another... Um, yeah, another character by taking over another person that's involved right. in that. Like he stopped the thing from happening. So Jake never changes the way he reacts or does any of the things that he's supposed to do. Except that for
0: that he loses. It feels like he's lost control of his body. Like he wants to grab a sign. He wants to scream out for help, but he can't. He just keeps physically moving forward
1: well there's the the theory that choice is irrelevant and that all timelines have already been programmed out and you're stuck on it so right so if you believe in the sliders model of the universe as i do (laughs) as many folks (laughs) often do um the the slider uh uh uh, formula says that basically and i'm using this as easy television so you can go watch a few episodes and get it but it basically says that like every major point in any timeline has an opportunity for a thing to go one way or the other way mm-hmm. and all of those branches exist simultaneously throughout the known universe and it basically inherently bumps out like separate earths separate people that are living a slightly diverged timeline from your timeline because of that the the theory there goes that everyone's Entire track through life is completely written, and that means that every possible scenario that could have happened has already been played out in mm-hmm. every one of those timelines. So you don't have a choice if you're still in your own timeline but to do what is set forth for you to do at that given time, that given second, and so on. But if you were to be, be able to move to another timeline, well, then you'd be able to uh, change your predicament. And since Jake is still, uh, for all intents and purposes, living in the same timeline, he can't deviate from his timeline. Gotcha. He's locked in. But okay. having maybe, like you said, the shine, possibly. Okay.
0: Like, he can
1: see maybe to the next reality over or to That's another reality or something like that. And like so visualizing it doesn't mean that he can break the chain. It just means that someone else could break the chain if they intervene in his timeline.
0: Now, how does this, um, how does the slider's theory of time travel um, compare to the quantum uh, leap time travel theory? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. uh, I'm just kidding. Okay, so like, for me, I was kind of like, when they talked about the umbrella of Ka, I was like, wait, is it like, I was thinking of paradox. Like, when I visualize one, I visualize like uh, a road splitting, right? Yeah. And, like, two simultaneous tracks. And then with the way that this is describing, where, like, he got within proximity, like, mm-hmm. physical proximity of, like, this temporal event. And all of a sudden, he could, like, see, he, like, had mental access to, like, other versions. Like, it was some weird, instead of it being, like, a split road. This is a very strange way to describe this, but this is what came to my head, so I'm just going to be honest. It was, like, a time hernia. Like, it was, like... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it was like poking through his timeline. So as he walked through this sort of broken piece of the timeline, this bubble, invisible bubble of time, like he could actually see things, but he didn't, couldn't prevent them from happening.
1: You're basically describing Doctor Strange's reality.
0: Oh. Well, that makes sense
1: because I've seen that movie. Yeah, yeah. So Doctor Strange is able to, like, look forward a few seconds or a few minutes and, like, see every possible outcome for a given interaction based on, like, all of the variables that are at the present moment. So if Jake has the shine, then for all intents and purposes, he has... Uh, dr strange's power of like looking forward a little bit to like see Mm -hmm. all the things but he can't interact to change them unlike the superhero
0: okay so then when you okay so when when he refers to the umbrella of Ka, like to you that you feel like that's just sort of like a metaphorical thing he's not actually talking about like an actual like an actual force like a like not necessarily time but like an actual you know, like a fifth dimension or something.
1: I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, an umbrella could be a metaphor for all kinds of stuff. Like, a
0: hernia, even. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, that's, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I'll
1: we'll have to put them side by side and see some doctor pictures and find out. Yeah. No, Um. so, so the umbrella. Change? I don't did know. This... It's big.
0: Okay. Did reading this change at all the way that you kind of, like... Because I feel like these books definitely have... Um some overarching theory about how like time and um multiple universes work right i mean like that's the whole fucking point of the tower right and i was wondering if this this as someone who is sort of like physics literate reading through this section altered the way that you think the like the way time and space and multi-universes changed for you
1: not really i mean so spend some time with there's the i believe it's called the idiot's guide to quantum physics and it's like it's super easy it's it's only four or five hundred pages and like it basically breaks down all of the these theories into Uh like simple easy to understand like examples that aren't deep into math and you don't have to understand like how a string interacts with vibrations in order to like build out from there Uh, and i I believe there's an audiobook for it too i was just looking
0: (laughs) at (laughs) I was typing audacity quietly. (laughs) So
1: so once you get through that, like basically all, almost every possible time travel slash time experience model that's used in, in any kind of sci-fi book that you can come across is based on theories by that same group of people from the like late fifties into the seventies and that's when, like, a lot of the major thinking on like split realities and time travel and all that stuff sort of developed. And because it was like cutting edge back then, sci-fi sucked it up like nachos and and ate the crap out of it. And like, it's in everything. And then future writers read all of this early sci-fi stuff, and you know Asimov was no exception. Mm-hmm. And they they ingest all of that, and then that becomes part of their world building in the future. And so with the theory like this it's basically like a culmination of a bunch of other stuff from previous uh writings being gathered together and, and cobbled into their own principle that's similar to the rest of the stuff Does that make sense like yeah stephen king's not a science guy so like he just like read a bunch of books and was like i kind of get that theory okay i'm gonna use that that sounds cool you know and like he yeah. just goes with it it's just not making like,
0: it up as he goes along kind of yeah. thing yeah,
1: and I mean, like, you do have a few PhD writers that do sci-fi and do, like, um, S- Space Odyssey-type stuff, and they'll, they'll advance, like, newer things, you know, but a, a lot of times, like, if no one's thought of it yet, you're not going to find a, a sci-fi guy that's uh, original idea was to come up
0: with this thing. So is the book you're talking about The Complete Idiot's Guide to String Theory? Yeah, that's the one. All right, buying it now with one credit. <laughs> I feel like if I'm going to keep reading these books and like trying to break them down, I need to actually have some working like idiot's guide level knowledge of of That sentences. one's really
1: good. It's easy to follow along with and like okay. it breaks down all the bits and pieces and there are multiple branches of string theory and universe causality that you can jump on Oh
0: my god i'm gonna be unbearable to hang out with after i read this <laughs> well, so i don't know if
1: i've ever re- recommended this book to you but okay. while you're on the science binge okay let's do it the disappearing spoon the disappearing spoon so this book is basically a history of every element of the periodic table and how it was what? discovered.
0: Oh, adding to wish list. Done. And
1: the uh, disappearing spoon is a reference to the fact that um, chemists and physicists used to hang out, and the chemists would make a spoon out of a metal that melts at a very low temperature, and so when they'd go to stir their tea, their spoon would dissolve. Oh shit! <laughs> but you didn't want to drink it after that because now your tea is toxic. But yes. uh, but I mean like. It's it's very interesting and like it highlights all the ups and downs of every possible horrible thing that humanity has ever come across in oh the periodic table, which is well.
0: If it's too tough for me, there is a young listeners edition. So there is <laughs> apparently <laughs> awesome. Okay, uh, all right. Anything else we want to say about the the? Hernia of time, or
1: no? I'm or, good. That's that's we went all over the place with that. So I'm yeah, fine.
0: I mean this this is weird chapter that like it is the same amount, of, roughly the same amount of time as we normally read, but not a lot happened. It doesn't prevent me from enjoying it or digging into it, but it's just like a weird all over. There's like it's kind of hard to track because it's like nothing's really happening.
1: Well, so the problem with this chapter is that like there's some good stuff, but it's spastic. And then okay. it's, like, overly descriptive. And then it's back to, like, jumping around a bit. So, like, I miss the jumping around because I'm, like, getting worn out by the too much description.
0: Right. And then
1: I'm, like, oh, yeah, interested again. But by then I've missed some key detail. Like, apparently it was three, three weeks earlier. Yeah, that
0: would be really strange if you thought he was going bonkers for, like, Three weeks, or, or like leading up to it, instead of him. yeah, that's
1: that's how I interpret it. And I yeah. like I said, I went through this multiple times because I, I was bet. having trouble focusing on it. I
0: hate it when that happens when you're just like reading the same like sentence over and over and over again. Sometimes when I'm writing and I get really tired and I'm like trying to like read quotes, I'm like none of this, none of this is going in my head. So I definitely identify. um All right, so overall thoughts of the chapter of yours were pretty. So-so, I
1: assume. (laughs) Yeah, it's not my favorite. Um, There's some good jokes in here, so, you know. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I'd like, I mean, I I, I would say this is not my favorite chapter, but I do feel like um, it did a lot of heavy lifting in terms of, like I said, whereas we spent a bunch of time really slowly watching the decline of... of, um, roland's mental cape you know capacity like it sped through it like we got three weeks of time in five sections you know um and so that was good i also feel like we got some really interesting character stuff around jake and also that sheds a lot of light on his relationship with roland um whereas you know like we understood why he liked roland because we like roland but this like you kind of get some like psychology of like why he's a particularly effective father figure for someone like Jake, who's such an old soul and so totally overlooked by his own parents. So, so that was really interesting to me. Um, It also is a kind of weird reset. Like, you know, I felt like we were on one track with the book. And then when we switch uh, perspectives, it almost makes everything that came, come came before it feel like prologue. You know what I mean? Because it is such a reboot. Um, In terms of the vibe and location and all that stuff. But I'm also super excited to have Jake back. I really missed him. Roland needs to get his mind right. He also needs to get his soul right. So hopefully this will all work out. Um, Yeah, that's my thoughts on the chapter. So next chapter, next week, or next episode, if you are reading along with us, we are going to be uh, talking about, here we go, The Wastelands, book one, Jake, Fear and a Handful of Dust, chapter two, Key and Rose. Section six through fifteen, and if you're doing audiobook like we are, it's about an hour's worth of audio. All right, um, I didn't have any connections to Stephen King universe in this one that I caught. If I missed something, definitely send us message. Um, and there is no Stephen King, like no Dark Tower updates. Boop, 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 boop. Breaking news. All right. So as I was saying to you this makes you know this is just our luck the minute we record an episode like the next day there is uh well i guess breaking the news day. there's breaking news about the the dark tower series on amazon and like we basically spent the news section of the episode we just recorded talking about how there's no freaking news so <laughs> um I'm going to splice this into that episode, so you, right now, if you are listening to the episode, you are hearing from us in the future. Like, this is what it is like to be Jake, basically. (laughs) Like, you are getting dispatches from the future. (laughs) So, in this episode, you're going to hear us complain about how there's no news, and then we're going to give you the news. This is why it's kind of funky formatting, but... Whatever. Who cares? We have exciting news. So let's focus on that. So get to it.
1: Come on. I'm I'm doing the, like, soft-wristed squee wiggle right now. You got to tell me.
0: Soft-wristed squee wiggle? You know where,
1: you like, when, have you ever seen tweens when they're really excited? They hold their hands straight up, and they kind of, like, wiggle them around like they don't have bones in their wrists, and they go,
0: Oh, like sort of like jazz hands, but like upright instead of to the side. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Got it. I
1: think that's a thing. Maybe I just made that up in my own head. I don't I know. I mean,
0: it's not how I, I didn't, I didn't know automatically what you were talking about, but I get it now. We're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, Okay, so here's the news. After what seemed like forever that we had no news about the Dark Tower series, we got an update today, and it's coming from a report in that hashtag show.com, and the word is that Amazon Studios is finally moving forward with their Dark Tower series. It's going to be 13 one-hour episodes long, and uh, they are going to start casting for it starting this spring. So... Um, there's speculation that the reason that we haven't heard anything about it is because they were intentionally kind of pushing this like production date out because they're trying to kind of distance the series from the movie, which I think uh, we can all...
1: That's probably... A... We could agree on that.
0: Yeah, I think we all understand why that might be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, oof, rough stuff. Um, they also confirmed for sure that this series is going to focus on Roland and his OG quartet. Uh, and... Plus Susan Delgado, um, when they were teens. And they are like going to start probably this spring casting like 16 to 18 year olds to play these roles. What? Well, I mean, if you think about it, if this follows like on the heels of like everything going down with, you know, David and Court, like they would be teenagers. Cause like Roland was like 15
1: when he like. Yeah, but that's such a strange and interesting section to explore. Are they going to try and like invent their own uh inner part of the series because i mean that section is like sort of described throughout the books but only briefly and like in weird glimpses almost i imagine it is um have you you remember that uh, karate movie uh or karate television show where uh da- david carradine played the like monk? are you
0: talking about oh god what was that uh
1: like... It doesn't matter, but anyway, uh, David Carradine plays a a, a karate guy, and every episode he, like, stops and remembers, like, his masters from the Buddha temple telling him, like, to do something, and then, like, that solves all the problems for the thing, and that's sort of what I feel like the vignettes are of, like, Roland's past, is, like, you never get a full story, you just get these little tiny windows into, like, little moments that made him who he is, so uh, there's a lot to expand on, but are they going to stay true to form?
0: Was it Kung Fu?
1: Yeah, kung, kung fu. I think it was kung fu.
0: <laughs> so um, easy
1: and neither one of us could get it.
0: I mean, counterpoint isn't that what Wizard and Glass is about? Uh
1: Yeah, I guess.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, there's Wizard and Glass and then there's also the comic series like, you know, like the Gunslinger Born stuff.
1: I guess I've never really uh read the comic series, so I'm I'm kind of in the dark there. But yeah, I guess you're right, you know, they they go through, and, like, the tragic night, well, I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm not going to say any more than tragic night. I mean, and... I think
0: that's, yeah, that's not a spoiler in the Dark Tower series. There's going to be many a tragic night coming up.
1: <coughs> um, well, I almost launched into it, and then I was like, yeah. whoa, whoa, pulling the reins <laughs> back.
0: Whoa. So, okay, so what we know in terms of plot, in addition to the fact that they're supposed to be teenagers, is that um, this series is going to focus on um, the time after Roland leaves. Uh, Martin Broadcloak will be the antagonist of the series, um, who, like, they're going to get into Roland's uh, mother's affair, like, Gabrielle's affair with with Martin, um, which will incite Roland to pick up his guns and search for Broadcloak to get revenge and... Um also his father Steven is going to be on a mission to find him. So are you gonna see
1: Pax the cook get hanged? Uh we might. I mean, that's like a classic character that I've always wanted to see more of.
0: I mean, I mean that I feel like the timing is right. We could potentially see that, right? Because I mean he was sort of he was hung because of like his he was like in cahoots with Martin and the Exactly. Yeah, so potentially you might get to see Pax.
1: And the real question is who's gonna play the Eagle?
0: this you're (laughs) always asking the important questions dj i can always count on you (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so okay what are your thoughts now that now that we've finally got some freaking details about this series i mean that's an interesting approach and
1: amazon has done some really good stuff uh lately like goliath and uh uh the man in the in the Tall. what is the high castle high castle yeah exactly Mm so um they've really shepherded their book and licensing agreements pretty well i i I think I have some positive feelings about Amazon doing good on this as well. Yeah. Uh, however, child actors are a notoriously fickle group and it could go sideways pretty easily if the wrong child actor is chosen for the right character.
0: Yeah. Do you want to see the role and character be like the young version of Idris Elba or do you want to see it get back to the like more Clint Eastwoody I feel Pretty like um, it's you. You remember Young Indiana Jones? Yeah. Remember
1: how excited you were for it, and then how disappointed you were when you watched it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I it's feel like as, yeah. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want to like preface this with a, a bad omen, but uh, man,
0: you really took it to a dark place. <laughs> but like, <today. laughs> I I feel like
1: that that's the feeling I have. I'm like, ooh, this is a property I love, and they can't mess this up. And then like than child actors and you're like oh no
0: (laughs) yeah hmm i hadn't really thought about like that i mean if they go like the british route though which they could with idris elba or completely recasting um like like the accent goes a long way you know what i mean like british young british actors always seem like better what (laughs) you don't think so
1: is that uh, I walked in and there was a uh, British accent and I felt like the man was ten times more handsome sort of thing? Or
0: I mean, it could be that phenomenon. I'm Like, like you know, sort of, like, tangential to that. But, like, when you think about, like, young – like, when you see kid movies from Britain, they seem like the kids are better. They're, like – they have less of that – there's a acting style that feels, like, more naturalistic than, like, super precocious.
1: I don't know. Go back and watch the first couple of Harry Potters again and – and then
0: that's fair. I guess then you're tell right. yourself
1: that those actors are really good back then, and, <laughs> and <laughs> then watch like a, a a more recent episode of that series, and you're like, oh yeah, these guys have really grown into their craft. They didn't really ah, have much craft. That's before. fair.
0: That's fair. But I just think about like, yeah. I mean, I I'm not saying all American kids are bad and all British kids are good actors, but. Like, and just sort of it, like, I just feel like there's a different kind of acting style that I I respond positively. Now, do you to. think that uh, sixteen
1: through fourteen is, Old enough that they could squeeze in like a twenty-two-year-old.
0: I mean, I have a friend who is an actor who's like in his early twenties, and I—he would be the perfect play person to play cuthbert So I hope that that's true because I wanted to audition and get the role. But <laughs> you know, he—he he looks young. Like maybe, maybe we could get some like you know early twenties that you look like they could be on the CW. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> I would not be mad at that,
1: but handsome. But the facial hair just hasn't grown in yet.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just like a little, a little soft. <laughs> not that my friend looks a little soft. This is sounding bad, but my point is, like, I think that's p- possible. Like they, they, the call is for sixteen to eighteen year olds, but you know, there's going to be some like twenty two year olds that are like, yeah, I'm eighteen. <laughs> you know. So.
1: Oh, I forgot my birth certificate. Just trust me, I'm, I'm eighteen. Right. <laughs> Huh. i was about I, to take I, an
0: off-caller joke but i will not so moving on <laughs> what were you gonna say <laughs>
1: <laughs> left it hanging and whiffled all right so okay. um uh what do you think budget do we know budget-wise what they're planning on spending on this
0: i do not but i know they threw a lot a lot of money at the um at the lord of the rings movie or series so i don't Wait, know if that amazon a... has a lord of
1: the rings series
0: oh yeah they bought the rights from the the tolkien family for like uh like an insane amount of money hold on amazon... have they actually done anything with it because it's in development
1: <laughs> oh okay
0: lord of the rings um yeah one billion dollars one bi- this is like a dr evil plot yes
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh Um, that's crazy. Uh, if you spend that much on the rights, then is it like the, the fallacy of, of sunken costs where you're just like, well, might as well not stop now. Let's spend another billion dollars. I mean, if they were
0: going to spend a billion dollars on it, I would rather have the money go into the dark tower series personally, because we've already seen the Lord of the Rings. I mean, I'm guessing they're going to do like sort of Cimmerillion kind of like side stuff, but Mm i don't know oh so uh, then if
1: they produce this this young roland mm-hmm. um off, uh yeah. are we gonna see some more after that or is this just gonna be 12 and done
0: i mean i think it will totally depend on how well it does yeah. like if if, the, if it comes out and it's amazing and like they get a lot of people to pay to watch it i suspect they'll they'll do another season but like the benefit of focusing like 13 hours on on wizard and glass or that period of time is you can tell a complete story like it ends sort of open not to get way ahead of ourselves here like it ends in a way that is open because we know that roland goes on to do other things but at the same time like there is sort of a like there is a kind of arc there that you could tell and have it feel complete in 13 episodes but also expand if it does well. It probably I mean, I don't know, but I would assume that's the thinking.
1: No, I think the reason I ask is because if you are doing child Roland This Way Comes, you're you're dealing with a, a section of young people and a twelve hour short and then that's gonna sit on the shelf to gain traction for more in two, three, four years. And by that time your twenty or your eighteen year olds are now twenty four year olds and like you You don't
0: think they just recast? maybe
1: but i, feel I mean like they it, would just
0: recast. isn't
1: it re isn't it well I, I guess for me it's always jarring when you when you do something well like that.
0: i'm thinking about like on netflix there's the, i'm guessing you probably did not watch the crown <laughs> but no, there's no, a series called the i crown. mean it's, it's on my
1: list you know i put it in my watch list it's just it keeps falling to the back every time i'm, every I'm time. shocked
0: to hear this but the point the reason i bring it up is that like it's about queen elizabeth and it's about like different periods in her life and they've recast her what yeah like as the instead of trying to put him in old age makeup they're like skipping forward a chunk of time and and now it's a new actor and i think you could do that with dark tower like you could tell this prequel story and depending on if they still do the thing where they have like roland and jake by a campfire like we might know who the roland is going to be in the future when we cut forward to gunslinger or Maybe, you know what I mean? Or they just recast. I think it would probably make the most sense. I don't want to see a 23-year-old Roland, like, you know, chasing the Man in Black across the desert. Like, I want to see, like, a sort of like a wizened...
1: A grizzled, like... Yeah,
0: grizzled, 35-year-old
1: forty-five-year-old dude. Yes,
0: or... yes, yes, yes. I want to see... Oh, uh, yeah. Like, I want someone who, like really did not get the memo on sunscreen like that's what i (laughs) that's what i want those eyes barely
1: open they're just slits what's going on
0: right or i want idris elba again because i just always want all the idris elba (laughs) so yeah i don't know i feel positive about this news uh so is there an
1: estimated release
0: date no i i just know that they're casting this spring and that they are scouting locations in croatia and i know you don't watch I you don't watch game of thrones. yes i know you don't watch game of thrones and i'm not gonna have this conversation with you again but like a much of that that series is shot in croatia and like it it's an amazing set setting so i think that that the look of that is going to be really cool remember when new
1: zealand used to be cool uh now it's it's croatia we're exporting <laughs> our our great places to other great places it's so sad
0: Right? Make New Zealand great again, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, if this is set in, like, you know, if we're getting, like, a lot of backstory with um things while they're still at, like, Roland's Castle in, uh, why, why am I blanking on his hometown? Uh, Gilead. If we're going to see a lot of Gilead, then, um, like, Croatia makes sense. I mean, because, like, that's where they do all of the, like, Red Keep stuff, which is where... Cersei lives, if you've seen commercials or artwork So for they've it. got,
1: like, a lot of castles and crap?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. It's actually the setting, like, when I heard Croatia was where they were shooting at, I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. That's great. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, uh, have you ever seen the, like, no, the shame nun? Nope. From, where she's like, shame, shame, and, like, Cersei's naked walking through the streets? I don't know who Cersei's again. Lena Dunham. Um, Not Lena Dunham. Oh, Lena, my God. Like, like oh, Not Lena Dunham!
1: Well, That's uh, interesting. I would not Remix.
0: expect a... <laughs> Lena... <laughs> Lena Heaney. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, you can't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. All right. So, uh, interesting. Uh, anything else you want to say to this before we wrap it up? Oh my God. My phone fell be- underneath my butt and just vibrated. That was a weird <laughs> sensation.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's getting real weird in here.
0: It is- no, i'm tired i have not slept
1: <laughs> like, this is the future folks ooh, you
0: are, sorry wait till you get into the actual episode i'm sure i'm gonna be even more punchy as we go on <laughs> all right cool so back to the past uh, is, is there anything else we want to talk about before we wrap this up
1: no take care of your dogs take care of your family and yes. uh, otherwise thanks rachel for putting up with me for yes. another hour and
0: a half series. oh my god are you kidding i love it it's one of my favorite things that we do is hang out and talk i we used to do it like every single week and we've gotten so bad because for various reasons um <laughs> but yeah so listeners if you have some thoughts on this chapter like were we too hard on it did we miss things is time all just one giant space hernia leave us uh let us know <laughs> You can email us at cast of call at zombiegirls.com, or you can hop on the Facebook and leave us a message there. We both lurk. Uh, we haven't been that great lately about posting on there, but we're going to step up our game now that the holidays are over. Um, so definitely hit us up there if you have any questions or thoughts or theories. We love to hear from you. And as I said at the top of the show, if you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. All I'm right, thinking
1: you. of Space herdia and I'm picturing Einstein's theory of gravitational force on time. And you know, it does create a weird bubble around planets and stuff that does sort of resemble a hernia.
0: I'm just saying. Also, next band name, just saying. <laughs> Make sure you thank me in the album notes. Oh, man. <laughs> Space Hernia coming to a town near you. Alright, DJ. Until next time, where can people find you on the internet?
1: As usual, guys, you can find me at DSLRFilmNoob.com. You can find me on YouTube at One Lone Dork or uh, DSLRFilmNoob. You can also find me on Twitter at DSLRFilmNoob and you can not find me on the Splattercast because we haven't done an episode in so long that it's not even worth mentioning anymore.
0: I keep hope alive. Hope burns eternal that someday Matt will get... What's gonna happen is Matt's gonna have to do some editing on a movie (laughs) and he's gonna be like, fuck editing! Let's do
1: Well, we basically just did two podcasts back to back for the new release of Isabel, which you guys will be able to get on Amazon fairly soon. And that one has so much commentary from everybody over a six year project making a feature length film. So if you're into that, please, 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 please go spend $10 on my shitty film
0: watch beards grow and disappear and, and people and gain disappear.
1: gain multiple pounds and then shed them off instantaneously
0: watch characters arrive and then just be played by someone else it's fun though i tease but i loved i you know i love you guys and um to make sure when you buy the dvd like read through that beautiful copy on the DVD, because I may or may not have played a part in that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my like small, tiny contribution to the Splattercast, is I occasionally write the DVD copy. Um, Alright, well, if you want more of these sexy dulcet tones you can find me on the zombie girls podcast stream queen podcast and i'm gonna be doing a special guest host appearance on a podcast called here's johnny where they talk about horror movies and video games Ooh. yeah we're gonna be talking about the new speria which have you seen the new Suspiria, dj
1: nope i don't watch any horror movies unless they're assigned to me
0: <laughs> okay. well i i don't think this one's for you i'll just leave <laughs> it <into> at that <laughs> like if you thought this episode or this 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 like 45 minutes was meandering and slow that movie's like two and a half hours of Ugh. like cold war era berlin and dance numbers so um oh God.
1: I mean, the dance numbers are probably fine, but you can just The probably... dance
0: numbers are actually amazing. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you again when we are back to discuss the next chapter of The wastelands. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>